both of my parents passed away within 18 months of each other. And I actually realized that this is a problem. I would see people out on the streets and I would think if I was using cocaine, heroin and things, that was the only addiction, but not alcohol. I never really considered it a drug. Welcome to the Helping Up Podcast, all about addiction, recovery, and grace. I'm Vic King, chaplain at Helping Up Mission, and to kick off the new year, we have Pastor Gary interviewing Julio Santana. Julio's story is one of privilege and success, and it's just a reminder of the ubiquity of addiction, the emptiness of wealth, and the possibility of recovery. We hope it's encouraging to you. Testing one, two, three. One, two, three. So, Julio Santana. Yes. Uh, born where? Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, what'd your dad do? My dad was an electrical engineer for Johns Hopkins Hospital. And mom? A dermatologist at Johns Hopkins Hospital. So, a lot of education, Absolutely. a lot of skills, uh, and grew up in a well, well off, pretty well to do situation. That is correct, yes. You grew, up with, grew up with nice stuff, good, good opportunities. I was blessed. What high school? Went to Cardinal Gibbons High School. I played football, baseball. So after high school, what did you plan to do? Well, I had every intention in high school to go to college. Now, I went to Tuskegee University for college, and they're known for veterinary science and electrical engineering. Because my father was an electrical engineer, I thought that was the path that I was going to go. But I ended up going into... Uh, finance, the field of finance. Uh, first time you actually got intoxicated? Uh, 10th grade year, I was over at my cousin's house and he uh, bought these big old bottles of beer like, and uh, he was drinking it by himself. And that's when I was introduced to a 40 ounce. Okay. All right. So you got, a, got your first 40. My first 40. I used to never laugh. And mm. shockingly, I smile all the time now. Yes. But back then, I would never laugh, and it used to relax me, whereas though I would now find humor in things that, was, that I thought was not funny. Okay, interesting. Graduating uh, Tuskegee, I went to Ford Motor Company, and I was a dealer service analyst for uh, the, the Virginia area. Sounds like a good job. It was a great job. And, um, did, and you, you enjoyed it? Oh, I definitely enjoyed it. And uh, did, your, uh, did your socialization and alcohol uh, increase during Absol those days? Absolutely. It was kind of like requested because yeah. I had to, you know, take the dealers out and show them a good time, go to lunch, dinner, and, you know, I, was, I had the perks. I had the company card, the credit cards, so and unlimited expense account, so I was good to go. And three martini lunches were in in those days. Absolutely, and yeah. accepted. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So, uh, so that really helped foster your, uh, your addiction. That you is know. correct. How long did you stay in that job? I stayed in there three years. And you left it because? I felt I was at a point where as though I reached a glass ceiling. I moved up to the company. I started at three and went up five levels within three years, which was unheard of. And when I became an eight, it was just like, there's no more. I wanted more. I had a lavish lifestyle, five cars, you know, a nice uh, apartment, 
I had everything, but it just wasn't enough. So um, your drinking continued to escalate. It did. Uh, was it a problem at that point? I didn't think it was. Okay. All right. So you were, you were functioning. Right. So what did you do after you reached the eight and you wanted to leave? What did you do now? I went into mortgage banking on okay, September right. 11th, the day the towers went down. Uh, you want to just say a word about that first day on the job and uh, all that happened that day? Everyone was at a standstill. Yeah. It was very shocking. The, I mean, 9 o'clock, uh, I was in the interview, and a young lady came into the interview, and we were just, it, everything just stopped, and yeah. everyone was looking at the, uh, the news. And then how did it go on that job then? This was such a time in our in our country what what happened in the savings and loan industry at that point? Well, it was still good at that point. However, we had probably about the remaining about a year left. That's when they had a lot of predatory lending and bankers were making a ton of money charging astronomical points on loans. And I guess I would consider myself one of those guys. Mm -hmm. I did that mm -hmm. because, I mean, my paycheck, it was, wasn't uncommon for me to bring home 10,000 every two weeks and I was really motivated by it yeah however due to the the crisis of September 11th they uh, started reviewing what was going on with the predatory lending and the practice yeah. tightened up and money was not there anymore so how long did you stay in that company three years and then you left because my best friend and I he called me and said to me hey what do you think about starting a, fr a franchise, a fast food franchise? And I said, it's funny you say that because I just went to the seminar. And it was a? Subway franchise. Subway franchise. Correct. It was on Liberty Road in Baltimore County. How long did it take you guys from, the, from that, that first phone call to getting it up and running? We had our trials and tribulations. We uh, underestimated what we had to go through to get there. So uh, how did it go with that store? That store was ranked number five in the uh, region for the first three years. Things were going good. So then what was the next step? Open store number two. Store number two was a little challenging. We made it happen, but it was just a lot more work to it. As you look back, was it a wrong move to open the second store? Yes, it was. Live and learn. Absolutely. So at that time, you're still under 30. Both still of you under still 30. under 30. Feel like you got the world, world of the tail. Now, did you start drinking more and more? Was that part of the socially? Absolutely. Started drinking more and more and started uh, becoming what's called an absentee owner, letting uh, the students from the local high schools run the store, only come there during inventory just to make sure the counts were correct. But by that time, they didn't learn the system. So you really were no longer being a responsible owner, responsible adult even. Right. All my life, I was known to fix problems. So my main focus was to try and get that one uh, back to being a profitable store. But as an absentee owner, it's hard to do. It's hard to do. And you were absent most of the time because you were drinking? I was drinking, and what was bad about that store, it had a bar right next to it. Mm. And uh, I was in there more times than I was in the store. Did you, did you know this is a dead end? Didn't really see it coming, but felt it. An audit came on from Subway, and 
we ended at the end of the audit we ended up owing subway seventy thousand dollars seventy yes seventy thousand dollars and uh that was a big big lump sum of money yeah so now you are you're over 30 yes the business is gone you you got out from under it yes um and your drinking slowed down no 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 so what'd you do next career-wise i went into home improvement and winterization and home preservation work so physically doing the work yourself physically out there doing the work uh beating my knuckles to the ground beating the pavement actually doing the labor yes is it easy to drink on the job when you're doing that kind of work if you want to live you're not supposed to because you could easily slip or hurt yourself oh yeah so you didn't i had a couple spills occasional spills so you did drink on the job did you feel like your life was spinning out of control or did you still feel like you had it all together at that point i felt like it was reaching a point where something had to give but i wasn't sure because I didn't, I still didn't at that point realize that I was an alcoholic. Yeah. And you've been here how long? Been here about a year and a month now. A year and a month. So not too long before you got here, right. uh, that stopped. What, 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 what stopped? You guys stopped. The, the bottom fell out. Uh, you couldn't keep, couldn't keep it together. What, what happened? Well, I had some uh, tragedy in my family. I had uh, both of my parents passed away within 18 months of mm, each other. Yeah. There was a moment of clarity before my father passed nice. when I actually realized that this is a problem. Yeah. I would see people out on the streets and I would think if I was using cocaine, heroin and things, that was the only addiction, but not alcohol. Yeah. I never really considered it a drug. But then this moment of clarity, you could see it. And did we able to communicate some of that to your dad? I did, and la- one of the last things he said was, son, please stop drinking. So dad died. Um, you're still doing this other business, this construction business. That's correct. Um, dad fell apart. I actually I walked away in the midst of a big project, lost a lot of money, went gung-ho. I, this is my uh, second time in recovery. I had nine months clean prior to coming to Open up mission, and I relapsed for about a month. I had a three-day headache. I had a migraine for three days, and I was trying to call other contractors who I was uh, subcontracting work out to, and they weren't responding to my call. They they were just nowhere to be found in my in my crisis. So I sabotaged the job and just said, "There you go," and just walked away. And you, you're the, the pressures of life, right? And probably a lot of guilt and shame. All this just, just, just done, right? I was, and uh, then how'd you get here? It took me three opportunities to get here. Uh, the first day we went to the veterans facility, and I was recommended here because I'm not a vet, right? And they said, oh, you could just wait around the corner and. I knew I wasn't going to wait around the corner because I wasn't even ready to go that day. Now, that was waiting for the overnights. Waiting for the overnight. Getting it overnight, and uh, there was no waiting for you. It was no waiting for me, and I wanted to go get my next drink. Yeah. Uh, The next day, I uh, was brought down here. I had luggage. I was told that you cannot have luggage. How many suitcases did you have? I had three suitcases and one little carry-on bag. You, you thought you were going on a cruise or something, didn't you? <laughs> Pretty much. Charlotte, we, 
We don't allow guys to bring bags in here uh, because of the bed bug issues that we've had. Right. And how'd that go? Oh, I was like, I was upset about that. I wasn't throwing away my luggage. Yeah, nice luggage on that. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, okay. So I just decided I'm going to leave anyway. I was not ready still at that point. Yeah. At that point, I knew I wasn't coming back. I went back to the area which I live in, which was the Milford Randallstown area, and went over a friend's house. And I was just sitting there depressed on, on Veterans Day. Had not picked up. Had not picked up, but I was ready to. Yeah. I was ready to. I needed it. And I had $5 left in my pocket. At that point, I was sitting there just staring off, and I said, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. It was like rock bottom. And I was thinking about if I stay here tomorrow, till tomorrow, I'm not going to have any money. I'm not, I probably won't eat. People have done given up on me because I gave up on myself. Yeah. And it's a bad feeling. Yeah. So what'd you do? I uh, found some trash bags, put the, uh, my clothes in the trash bags, uh, walked down Liberty Road all the way to Gwen Oak in the rain on Veterans Day. How long the walk was that, roughly? It was two and a half hours right. to that point. And I had my, still had my $5. Okay, I, at that point I went and got a beer yeah. to knock the dust off because yeah. I knew I was going to go into the building, got a beer, and then I was able to catch a ride to Mondawmin, and from Mondawmin I took the train the rest of the way here. With the rest of your money? With the rest of my money. So you came back to Helping Innovation, took three times. Took three times. And uh, finally came in and it was a surrender. Whatever happened to that nice luggage? It's gone now. <laughs> everything in my trash bag away and was given a whole new wardrobe pretty much it's at some point you're just gonna have to just surrender all that stuff and yes. you were able to do it that day yes yeah how hard was it to settle in here in a, in a situation like this it was rough because i was afraid at first i thought i was better i shouldn't be here and i didn't know what to expect next yeah. So at, at what point then did you get comfortable in, in the program? Probably about around my 60th day. What happened to make help you just chill out? I uh, My best friend had uh, provided a truck for me. And as soon as I came off blackout, my first thing was like, I got this. And I was ready to go back out and start working, grinding, and to start rebuilding my life again. Yeah. And... I didn't think it was nothing wrong with that. I thought I I was ready. One day on Valentine's Day, my truck engine went up. I wasn't even driving it. And instead of getting mad at the person that was driving my vehicle, I get, said that was a sign to sit down, sit still, start focusing on your recovery. Because if it was meant for you to have and meant for you to be out there, this would not have happened to you right then and there. And that really helped you just chill out. Yes. So um, when uh, Martin Maura became a treatment coordinator, uh, you were the guy that, that he recommended to me uh, to be the guy to come into to the classroom and work with me. And you did that how long? Right now, it's, uh, since July. And you've, you've just done a wonderful job in there. Thank you. Uh, just taking care of stuff. And of course, you got recognized for that, and now you're involved in our IT department. Cool. And uh, many things that we that that happen 
related to my world and and, and Martin Leitner's world. Um, you know, you're right in the middle of all that. So recovery for you, what does recovery mean to you as you as you look back on your life and what's happened here at Helping Up Mission? Well, with this recovery here, I have learned to one, sit down, be more analytical of my life, my roles. I've developed a relationship with my daughter. Um, now I've always had responsibility, but I was never responsible for the things that I was supposed to be responsible for. So basically I've learned how to just look at myself, do some self-advocacy uh, work for myself. Hmm. Since I've been working with you, I've learned that helping doesn't mean that I can just throw money at and fix a problem. But now I can know that I can know how to talk to people and I want to talk to people and try and guide them to a better way or a new path. You were a boss for a long time. How hard was it to fit into a role of following somebody else's lead? I look at it like this. I think that I was not the guy. I think the support of, I think my parents, the bill payers, they were the people because I was still a big kid. I got you. Uh, so with, with your college degree, uh, you've learned a lot. You've learned a lot in IT here. That's right. And then the other thing that's been really exciting, just about the time you graduated, you took what training? Peer advocate training. And explain that a little bit. Basically what it does, it prepares you and gives you the knowledge to go into the emergency room and speak with those who are just like you, a peer, and gives you the training to speak with them in regards to recovery. Most doctors, nurses, they do not, do not know the proper approach to handle those that are in addiction. That's where we come along. Be a, a helping hand, we advocate for them, as well as educate them on different opportunities, as well as help them try not to return to their emergency room, yeah. but give them a better way to you know, move forward beyond the emergency room. And you clearly like helping people. Absolutely. A lot of possibilities. We'd like it all come together, get clearer, but that's where we are right now. How comfortable is it right now to just sit still and continue to let God call the shots and not try to make it happen yourself. How does that really feel for you? You know, this weekend, I uh, really realized that helping people is a passion that, you know, burns deep within. And I enjoy what I do here. And after going through an experience with helping someone that's going through an addiction crisis, mm -hmm really showed me this is where I need to be. Okay. So right now, the go-getter that you are uh, and could easily go out and go out and find a job in a whole bunch of different fields, you kind of know where you got to go. And right now, the process, as you're sitting still here, learning some more and doing what you're doing here. That's correct. Right. Well, sure do appreciate you. No problem. And um, you've just been marvelous. And I continue to tell you that you can... You know, I understand if you got to go to work, and I understand if you pick other rules up here, but uh, I, I would really miss you in the classroom. You've just been a real asset, and we're 
Dios me le quede.